You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Captivate and on Patreon. You can get bonus content of our show on either of those platforms or on Apple Podcasts with a private subscription to the Amazal Ministries Podcast Network. Exodus 35, verses 10 through 19 in the Christian Standard Bible. Let all the skilled artisans among you come and make everything that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tents and covering, its clasps and supports, its crossbars, its pillars and bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat, and the curtain for the screen, the table with its poles, and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand for light with its utensils and lamps, as well as the oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the entryway screen for the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze gates, its poles and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, the hangings in the courtyard, its posts and bases, and the screens of the gate of the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and the tent pegs for the courtyard, along with their ropes, and the specially woven garments for ministering in the sanctuary, the holy garments for the priest Aaron and the garments for his sons to serve as priests. Here Moses is having the children of Israel prepare the tabernacle in the way that God commanded. We see everyone working together for like arts and crafts and stuff. We're doing tailoring robes and decorating the worship area. Even though we're no longer under the law of Moses as Christians, we still believe that aesthetics can play an important role of worship. Kino Kennedy, Reverend Kino, why do we believe, or why do you believe, God had the people of Israel put so much into the decor of their worship area? And what can the church today learn from that? Well, remember that God was giving them instructions of how the tabernacle is supposed to look and be built and who's supposed to run it and who how it's supposed how it's supposed to run once you're inside of it so god was telling the people and he's telling us that wherever you are trying to worship me it is supposed to be a set apart place it's supposed to be special because i want you to think of nothing but my goodness whenever you come into my presence you should feel me you should experience me you should be able to Enveloped with my love. That was the whole point of the tabernacle. That's what God should be at every every church. When you go into church, whether it be the sounds, the sights, the music, the flares, the dances, whatever it is, it should all be glorifying God. That's that's what it's really mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> hey guys, guess what? <laughs> It's time for the whole church podcast. You know what this music means? It means we're in our ecumenical aesthetic series still. And this one, honestly, guys, this is the one that I was like, we have a lot that are like playing really important roles. And this one does play an important role in the series. Don't worry. But this one really was, I was like, you know, at least once we're going to cut loose and have as much fun with this like church icon gig as we can. I was like, let's bring on our good friends who do systematic ecology with us, who are also reverends of different church traditions. So we have the one and only, I, I could call you a reverend, I guess, Pastor Will Rose. Is, is reverend okay? It's like yeah. Lutheran's yeah, anti I, I, I go by Reverend Rose. The Honorable. Pastor Will. <laughs> and everybody called the Honorable. That's funny. I have been he called had a P-Dub. halo before we started, and then he moved. He, he changed been, up on you guys. I've been called P-Dub for Pastor Will before. <laughs> yeah. been, uh, you can also yeah. check him out. Uh, I know I mentioned systematic ecology. You know, we're part of the Ant Network. He also, we have uh, the homily now with Pastor Chill Will from Chapel Hill. That's true. And you can hear some of his sermons on the network as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of people who do sermons, 
You know him. You love him. The man himself. One of our favorite, favorite guests to just hang out with. The one and only Reverend Kino. How's it going, man? How's it going, guys? It's It's been a while since I've been back on the whole church. Yeah, man. It's, it's good. It's, it's always been fun. A while. It's been a while. But it's, it's always fun. It's always fun. They changed the theme music just for you, Kino. They changed I know. It up, I was like, this, this, I'm ready to get my um, jazz on. Let's, let's do this thing. I was about to get the disco ball in. I had to I get some stuff to... uh, something a little more artistic you know yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. not yeah, just yeah. for the series but also in honor of, of god's greatest masterpiece you know um when, when god we say that god creates beauty and we think of like artwork we gotta at least think not only the voice but just just the the stanima the the awe-inspiring presence of the world's greatest co-host the one and only Ty, dj tiberius one blackwell how's it going uh good thanks <laughs> never gets old never gets old never ever ever so uh, you know if you like what we do here if you want to check out the homily or any of the other shows on the honest ministries podcast network uh check us out check us out on youtube wherever you listen and hang out in our discord server uh we feel like we're not getting enough interaction out of you guys we'd like to we'd like to get some more of that so not to beg or anything but Please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and now, guys, you know, I have a favorite spiritual practice that engenders unity without fail, and that's silliness. So we like to start our episodes off with a silly question. Today's a fun one because, man, I just I knew I just knew we'd all have fun with this. Of all of your favorite Bible passages were turned into death metal songs. Which would probably be the worst death metal song of your favorite passages, specifically? Um, TJ and I'll go first. TJ looks like he's thinking. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do mine, uh, and, but I, at risk of oh, this wait, could wait, turn wait, out wait, great. Hang on, hang okay. on. I, okay, I'm well. sorry, I have to interrupt. I do have to interrupt because I have to let you. I don't. I don't know. Any, I don't know any death metal songs. I, I don't know. Oh, what okay. Is I, okay. Okay. Your okay. verse is to being turned into one. Yeah, so I know. Gotta, I, I gotta. Yeah. But yeah, but I don't. I, I don't know the to tune. Know to think about. Like. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, so, I'll, 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 so there's a whole bunch Just of versions that I could choose. Yeah, uh, it depends. Yes. It depends on. No. <laughs> so here, here's my thought. My, my thought is, I'm going to go with, I don't remember what the verse is, but it's the um, how good and pleasant it is when brothers get along together in perfect harmony. Okay. But I have to put the asterisk of that could end up being a great song if it's done ironically. Yeah. I'm just unsure. I don't, TJ I don't, has got to be the best equipped of us to do this, which is why I did it. Because I was like, none of us will be good, at, like well equipped for this. So I thought it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it's a good question. I, I don't think there's. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I don't, Too late I don't now. Think there's a verse that you could turn into a song, and the song itself be bad. A death metal song? Yeah, that's not. It's not relevant what the genre is. You can make the I song so. good, despite the verse. What would be the most challenging to make good? Hmm. I feel like Jesus wept might be challenging because it's just not long enough. No, it'd be what do so you do with good. that? <laughs> perfect death metal. That's a perfect, perfect death metal. Do you remember in Scott Pilgrim right. versus the World? Right. They had we'll, just that one song. That perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so I got one. I, I, I really think this is the best one. I, I think you turn the entire 
Book of Job into a death metal song, huh. and you ha- and you get a prize if you get if you have to listen if you can listen to it all in one sitting. <laughs> then, then you get like a math. Prize. I don't think you that would be, be bad though. I think it'd be yeah. good. It would no, it would be bad because it'd, it'd be, be wrong. <laughs> it'd be wrong. Yeah, sitting there yeah. listening to people argue about God and pain and suffering. Death metal. Isn't there like a trend in death metal songs to have like really long songs for some reason? Maybe, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I'm not in that. I'm not in that world. I'm not in that world yet. I don't even know what it sounds like. I, I there don't are know nothing. specific but genres of metal and death metal subgenres. I know, I know that metal. Focus on them being longer. Like you, you, you get hmm. drone metal, which yeah. you know each note is just held for sometimes minutes at a time. TJ, just well, pick an answer. I'm ready to move on. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I say Job all the way through. You get a prize. The, the, the band will will um. We'll send you a prize or a medal or, or some kind of certificate if you can sit listen to it all in one sitting. That's my that's my. Th- I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Psalms 38 five through eight again. <laughs> you just, okay. <laughs> you know, also I think the uh, the fall of Babylon in Revelation might be bad, but only because I think if they do the exact lyrics, it would probably get whatever band canceled. Yeah, I think they just would be banned from the radio because uh, there's some language in that one um, or, or the passage you just read or the passage you just read here like you, you read that i used to i used to make true, that would not be a, that, as that would not be a great camp. metal yeah. song i used to make if they got in trouble it's like all right you're gonna read the bible and read this read this boring boring passage that's probably a horrible punishment <laughs> to do for a kid but anyway yeah. that's you know. Ooh, one of the genealogy Kino, give us an answer so we can move on <laughs> I, I have i have nothing i don't know i i i don't know What's your favorite Kino's answer? Is Matthew's one? There you go. There you go. Matthew's one. Yeah, the whole genealogy. Yeah, the whole genealogy. Oh, there, there you go. go. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do now. I think Exodus thirty-five ten through nineteen would be awful. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Good. I'm glad we have found some agreements. <laughs> Let's just all say that one. Got it. So there you go. Uh, one of the main reasons we're doing this series is because of our belief that beauty can bring people closer to God and to one another. So we have a few questions we're asking everyone in the series to go along with that belief. So could you tell us of a time where you've seen God in the beauty of creation outside specifically? You want me to go? Um, yeah, I mean, you would think that, you know, the beach bum surfer dude would always pick ocean and waves and sand dunes. And that's, <laughs> that's usually my go-to. But a few summers ago, I went to Iceland. And I can't stop thinking about Iceland. I want to go back. And it was because we went the time of year where the weather was really good. It was sometimes cloudy, sometimes rainy. It was cool. It was sunny. The coastline's great. But you'd be driving down the highway and you see a majestic waterfall. And you think, that's the most incredible waterfall I've ever seen in my entire life. Ten minutes later, down the road, Oh my gosh, I've, that's the most majestic, beautiful waterfall I've ever seen in my entire life. Ten more minutes down the road, another one. So it's like the land of waterfalls and water and glaciers and volcanoes and like the birth of of Earth it emerges out of this island. And so, um, yeah, it's a magical place. I could not help but feel that I was in a place of just awe and wonder and really kind of the emergence of an ongoing creation happening in front of my in front of my eyes. So it was great. Okay. That's, that's I like good, it. Will. I like it. That's, yeah. that's what, what about you, Kino? Any beautifully angelic places <laughs> falling water? <laughs> well, I so so like Will, like you know, it's it's truly whenever you step outside, you should take notice of his creation. 
Um, and I would say the better question is, have you paid attention to it? Mm. When the last time you paid attention to his creation? And that way you will say, hey, I'm now noticing what God is because the God is created it all. And I'm not trying to be metaphorical or just give this blanket answer. But the truth is, is that in, in trying to understand God and, and how God moves, we forget that God has also made it the created world that we see. And he's also created an inv- invisible world that we can't see. Like God created our, our inner uh, molecular systems. So, so that even though we have some understanding of that, God still created all of that. And, and yeah, so, so like literally, and I'm not trying to be funny, but, but if you, to answer your question, I, I literally just watched this documentary about the James Webb telescope. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this mm. is so awesome. <laughs> this is so yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. But, but it's, 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 it's fascinating to see that God can be seen and known in everything. And so I noticed him this morning, funny enough, looking up at the uh, morning sky when I'm taking my kids to school and I saw Venus mm. and Jupiter in the morning sky. Oh, wow. That's so I'm cool. like, like that's 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 cool. Like to wake up and like, hey, that's that's yeah, Venus that's and that's Jupiter over there. That's 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 awesome, you know. Wrong gods, but that's cool. <laughs> well, we're not talking about the gods. We're just talking about the, the planets. <laughs> I know, I know. I just can't help it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. Walk outside and Poseidon is on your porch. <laughs> I'm a porch. Hey, this is smoking a cigarette. Yeah, you I know? saw this morning. Yeah, making everything wet outside. I don't, <laughs> I don't like that. So. <laughs> so uh, We'll start with Kino this time. Uh, could you share a moment with us, if you have one, that yeah. you've had a special connection with like a painting or a sculpture or something like that? And it, it doesn't have to be like a religious one, just any kind of painting or sculpture that you felt a connection to. Yeah. So, so, so I was, I was thinking about this and I was like, I don't really have a painting or a sculpture, but, but I remember being growing up um, and uh, I'm from Durham. So I lived across the street from well, not across the street. To me, it was across the street, but it was two blocks from Duke University. And so uh, every every now and again, I would walk on their campus and uh, and I would go to the Botanical Gardens and just go in there and just Ooh. all the different areas and everything. So I would go in there and just sit and just, just be in beauty and nature and just be like, oh, God, this is so good. And, you know, talking to God and praying yeah. and all those things. So so that that's 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 what it is for me, just going oh, to the Botanical Gardens. Man, that's a great transition too. Um, Will's favorite basketball team, the the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, Will, could you? Last for me. Shame on you, sir. Shame. Tier one. Shame. 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 I'm getting off this right now. Time out. Time out. Shame. Crucify him. Crucify him. Any any sculpture for you that. Isn't basketball related? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that Kino and I have the same fandom when it comes to college basketball, even though he grew up in, in Durham. So he's mm-hmm. a Tar Heel fan. Yes, yes. And oh, I will yes. say, even though I will never oh. pull for Duke Blue Devils basketball, sorry, their no. chapel and botanical gardens is gorgeous. Their chapel so is If you go to Duke Chapel, and you go to, they yeah. got a beautiful campus. They have a great heart hospital. If I needed heart surgery, I would go there. Yep. doesn't mean I have to pull for their basketball team. That's, nope. that's what I'm saying. Nope. But I will say, like, for me, like, I, even though you said not religious, I, I think, you know, okay, I grew up dude. as a Lutheran and somewhat, somewhat, um, you know, we had pretty sanctuaries, but they weren't ornate. They were, they were somewhat plain. You know, there was some stained glass or some stuff, pretty straightforward mm-hmm. uh, worship sanctuaries. But whenever I've gone into like a Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox cathedral with the iconography mm-hmm. and the ornateness mm-hmm. and, and the way the, the dome is structured, it, 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 it draws your eyes upward and it and it tells a story. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But I think mm-hmm. for me, anytime you walk into that sanctuary, I'm just I'm, I'm in um, 
I'm just an awe. It takes my breath away. Right. So, so yeah, that that's what stands out for me. And I was able to go to Greece uh, when I was in seminary to do cool. follow in the footsteps of Saint Paul and see some of these awesome. cathedrals that were built where where um, he went. And every single one, it just never got old. It was gorgeous. Yeah. And that's why I just love a good steeple. You know, just yeah. make you look up. It's nice. Yeah. Um. So. There've been a lot of different studies out there that show that there is a healing aspect to just perceiving beauty, you know, in the world. Do you believe, I'll start with Will, that do you believe there's a reason why God wired us this way that there's a healing aspect to beauty? Yeah, I think that's the the deep down entanglement and relationship we have with um, creation itself. Like I, I, when it says we're creating the image of God, I don't necessarily think that God was created looking like me with two eyes and bald head and a male or whatever. That's not what it meant. It meant to be creating the image of God is to be in the image of, of love and to be able to create, to be a co-creator and to bestow beauty and enjoy just as God said, it is good. When we look at things, we can be like, man, that is, that is good. We, we know beauty when we see it. So that creating the image of God, um, you know, mirrors what God was doing there from the very beginning when God was declaring creation good. Yeah. How about you, Kino? You have any, anything to add to like why you think we were wired where like seeing beauty can have a healing power on the human body? Well, well, it's it's not just it's not just just seeing. It's actually it's actually the it's ex- so seeing seeing things can invoke a lot of things, but the sounds just like music can and hymns can and just chants can as well. Like literally, certain chants will will give you the same type of euphoric feeling that you would get at a Beyonce concert. I'm not trying to be funny, but that's, that's, that's literally what happens sometimes. Like seriously. Um, and so like just going with what Will was saying, like if we recognize God as the creator of it all and we are his handiwork uh, now, now his, like Will was saying, like God is not a specific entity. No, no. God is, God is this one who is infallible and, un- and is not understood, can be understood, but it's through his creation that he speaks to us. And so when we, again, if we just see beauty and, and beauty can be found in paintings, it can be found in, in statues, it can be found in nature, it can be found in conversations, it can be found in music, it can be found mm-hmm. in anything if you're open to it. Well, here's the thing, though, you, you, it's, it could be manipulated, too, like. Not trying to be funny, but going back to the Beyonce concert, like, you know, you got thousands and thousands of people going to Beyonce, but they ain't going to church. I'm just <laughs> they'll dress up for they'll dress up for Beyonce, but they won't dress up for church. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> you yeah. gotta wear those things out, but that's you know, that's that's what it is. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction you bring up too, is that um when we talk about these things, that even like that whole like aesthetics things, and um I don't know if we brought this up before. It's important that we do emphasize that it's not just stuff you perceive with your eyes. You know, there's a whole blind community out there and mm-hmm. some people born blind and they still are able to perceive beauty just in a different way. And I, I think this conversation is still relevant for that community as well. True. Yeah. No. Yeah, so wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, please allow, allow me, allow me to just throw <laughs> yes. that in there. Just allow me to do this. Cause, cause, uh, I had this, I had this, uh, we're teaching about um, about Jesus in, in uh, Bible study. I'm sorry. We always teach about Jesus in Bible study, obviously. Um, but no, we're looking at a book. It's called Who is Jesus and Why is It Important by Daniel Harrington. And um, 
And we are looking at Jesus teaching on the parables. And we're talking about how you can understand God's kingdom through the parables, right? And the author said that it's hard to understand God's kingdom because it's mysterious and it's invisible. Yes, I, I understand that I agree with that. But however, I said that I disagree with this cannot be described. And you saying that about a blind person reminded me that um, when we're talking about understanding God's beauty and understanding like how the richness and fullness of who God is, we have to remember that that God's beauty just can't be seen. Again, it can be felt and taste and everything. Like it, it could be all of those things. Yeah. So so that's 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 what I want to say. Taste yeah. and see that the Lord is good. Amen. It doesn't yes. say see that the Lord is good. It says taste yeah. and see. Let's get some let's get some unleavened uh, bread and wine out, anybody? Do it. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, so before we get to the more unique aspects of this episode, there is one segment we've been doing in each episode for ecumenical aesthetics, which is called the artist corner. Uh, I have a few questions. I'm going to read them in uh, random order. We probably won't get to them all with you two uh, because <laughs> we only have seven minutes. We're going to answer as many of these as we can, but in seven minutes. So, there you. Y'all ready? Ready. I'm ready. Start the timer. So, uh, <laughs> what kind of wall decor is around your church, and what is the significance of it? Will? We have um, some paintings, uh, not necessarily, uh, how do you describe it? They're not necessarily abstract, but they're symbols. They're paintings around the room, room from a member of our church who is, a, who is a local artist, professional artist. And these paintings symbolize uh, the sacraments and like the seasons of the church here. So we don't have stained glass there uh, in our worship space. Our old sanctuary does. That's now a reception hall. Mm -hmm. But we have these kind of paintings around the wall that point to sacramental theology and the seasons of the church here they are beautiful pieces too um how, how would you describe those colors because the colors are really what stood out to me when i visited yeah it's bright it's like the season of church here you got blue greens reds um kind of drawing you into kind of earthy tones um so so yeah it's kind of spread out um like the seasons of the church here have this own distinct color um yep I really yeah. like it. Josh, Josh, please don't steal our guests seven minutes. <laughs> uh, it's our seven-minute so, conversation. Uh, what kind of wall decor is around your church, <laughs> and what is the significance of it? So so around our church, uh, we don't have any stained glass windows. So we have um, pictures of family um, praying together. We have mm -hmm. the Last Supper. Uh, we have something about our denomination. So the Amazon Church, there might be a post or a flyer about our bishops or something about the Connectional Church. Um, then we have something about Black Excellence. Uh, then there's some Bible scriptures and then some famous quotes. Uh, then there's church announcements. So so all of this, not just around the sanctuary itself or inside the sanctuary, it's also inside the fellowship hall, inside the church, um, and those things. So so it, we, there's a lot of things that we have hanging up around the church. Uh, so, Kino, do you prefer hymns or modern worship music? Both. I like I like both. I like I like both. I, I listen to good hymn. Listen, a good hymn sung good, yeah, it, it'll get you, it'll get anybody going. I don't care, yeah, it'll get anybody going. But you know, yeah. gospel music, worship music is also good too. So I like both. I like both. All right, what about you, Will? Mostly hymns from a hymnal, but we have um, a few contemporary songs sprinkled throughout as offertories are sung by the choir um, and by by. Um, Contemporary worship songs. We mean those written in like the 1800s, right? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Okay, just wondering. 
Yeah. So, uh, how do you use music or other art in your worship services, Will? Um, mostly is a liturgical service that uses like the ancient Kyrie and hymns of praises from way back when, from the early masses, from the early church um, uh, worship um, style and, and flow, uh, and then and then hymns and word is sacrament. We we uh, we have often used skits or um, someone painting in church on a on a kind of a high festival Sunday, or a guest preacher or artist that will come in. But that's is, that's kind of rare. So, but mostly we're in the liturgical flow of the liturgical seasons and and kind of what's wrapped around the seasons of the church here. All right. Uh, what about y'all, Kino? How do y'all use music in worship? So we do we do hymns. We have chants. We do uh, some anthems. And then we do gospel songs and praise and worship. Um, that's 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 typical, but it depends on which church. But but in my church, that's what we use. We use all that. We use all that. I'm allowed follow ups in this section. <laughs> what chants? What uh, what kind of chants do y'all do? Uh we do we do the threefold amens. Uh, we do all things come of thee, the doxologies. Uh, I can't think of any other one. Oh, that's cool. All all of those in the hymnals that's too, though. Um, those are the ones I can think of on top of my head. But we have we have a hymnal and all of our chants, and and we got spirituals. Uh, um, we got a whole, yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff in our hymnal. <laughs> I realize. Yeah. Got, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. There's kind of the ancient Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy. There's like a pattern, liturgical pattern that where people will chant back and forth. The congregation. This stems back stems back way back before they had amplification or microphones as a way to articulate and kind of carry that tune throughout the whole long sanctuary or cathedral, so that people could hear better acoustically. So that's there's a reason. Sometimes way back when they even chanted the entire gospel reading. Um, they didn't just read it; they chanted it because that was a way that people would be able to hear it um, in a in a new kind of different way amplification. So, oh, well, mm-hmm. were you saying that reminded me that um, in in some black churches, even at least we're gonna keep talking um, that that some even though the, the slaves could not read, there might be one individual who could read, and so they would line the hymn. And what that means is that, that one person would read the line, and then the choir would repeat after them in a, oh, in a type of meter. Okay. Three of three to four, or mm-hmm. four, three four, or quarter four meter. Um, so if you've never seen a hymn choir, I say I, I would advise you to go and Google and look up a YouTube just a hymn choir, and they they'll again they'll line out old hymns, um, but they'll sing them in a certain way that you've never heard it before. But ooh, boy, when they get that foot get the stuff <laughs> in, and the oh yeah, this this is the soul wrenching, soul cry, crying, and soul filling uh, songs right there. Love it. Right. So, uh, do either of y'all's churches have statues that we could discuss? No, none. No. Yeah, not a lot of statue churches here. No. No. I mean, I've been to Catholic churches where they have the Stations of the Cross that has either been paintings or miniature sculptures around the church. But Mm, but um, the Lutheran Church, the Lutheran Church, does not have statues. Not against it. We just don't have it. Yeah. Same. Same here. Well, we're against it. I don't know why they're against it, but I, actually, I do know why because they don't understand. But it's just silly. <laughs> um, but we don't have any. We don't have any statues around our church either. All right. So, what is the most unique piece of art that you have ever seen or heard, Kino? Um, I, I saw t- uh, King Tut's sarcophagus. My uh, wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, took me to the um, New Orleans um, Art Museum. 
because uh, they had the King Tut exhibit, and I saw his sarcophagus. So I was like, wow, that was that was awesome. Yeah, I yeah, always wanted cool. to go to that art exhibit. Yeah, yeah, it's that, that was that yeah. was that was yeah that was that was cool. Yeah, that's super, to see art that was made, you know, three thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, sick. yeah. <laughs> BC yeah. before Christ. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's the most unique. For me, I remember uh, a few years ago taking my family up to New York and went to the um, American Museum of Natural History. And so a lot of it is science-based and evolution-based, and and we're in there enjoying this this museum. And there uh, amongst it is, is like a quote from Francis Collins, who's also a Christian, but also a man of science who was ahead of the, um, the Genome Project. And, and he had a quote about like, faith and science working together here in the midst of like this museum of, of evolution and the history of, of the world. And I was just taken back by that. I was like, Oh, that's so cool that they allowed that to happen. Of course I Googled that phrase and Francis Collins, the controversy around it, both scientists and people of faith were like, why is this together? And why are they working together? But, but for me, I just kind of sums up kind of where I am in my faith and belief in science and seeing them go hand in hand together in a museum to lift up the wonder of the world uh, was very moving and surprising for me and, and glad it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, Will, I feel like you get to have a fairly unique perspective uh, because you get to see the most unique painting uh, because we all know God paints with waves yeah. Uh, so yeah. You, ever. It's different. Every ever time. moving, ever flowing, never the same. There's patterns, um, but but every wave is different. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right. I, I do think that's uh, the full seven minute allotment. Uh, a little more than seven. We, yeah, it was a little more. But seven-ish. we got more, we got more of the questions than I than I thought we would. So yeah, yeah. Good for too. us. You know, the thing is though, I feel like I, I'm I'm glad that they didn't do this, but I feel like sometimes people treat it like it's like a speed round. But I'm like, I, I feel like it'd be really interesting if someone took that as a challenge to spend seven whole minutes on one question. <laughs> like, OK, yeah, I got this. Okay. You know, okay. yeah. challenge accepted. So, so if any future guests are listening. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, TJ wouldn't let me take any more of the y'all's time up. But I wanted to mention uh, when you were talking about like the, the how the chants used to be done. The a lot of the Orthodox Church still does that. So Christian yeah. Ashley, another guest of this show does a few other shows systematic ecology let nothing move you um but me and him both visited father jonathan's church who's going to be on this series in a couple weeks and they chant most of their service still and it's it's pretty cool so if you get a chance to visit a orthodox church it's cool yeah was it moving was it a moving experience i I found it i found it moving i I don't think christian did (laughs) <laughs> Christian, we love you. We love you. We love you, yeah. Christian. So, <laughs> we, love you, Christian. Uh, we do want this week to focus on some Christian iconography. Iconography? Why can't I speak today? Iconography. Um, could y'all explain what is iconography? And is it the same <laughs> as comic books? And how is it different from idol mm. worship? So you got I don't- two comparisons to make. I don't, I don't mind starting a little bit and, you know, build, build off that. Like, you know, some of the earliest um, kind of literacy that humans did was was just writing mm-hmm. um, 
drawing paintings on the side of, of caves to mm-hmm. document their history and what they were doing, what they were up to, whether it was art or whether it was an articulation of the hunt and the thrill and the human condition and experience. So that kind of goes back. It wasn't that they were articulating the alphabet as much as they were drawing paintings of what was happening in their lives and human experience on, on cave walls. And that's emerged. And so art and paintings have always been a part of, of humans and the way they express themselves and articulate what it means to be human in, in the world, at least from my humble point of view. And then, so, so iconography is, a, a, um, you know, the early church, even though the scripture does say, you know, be, beware of idols and images and, and don't let it get in the way of, of how you express and, and, and worship God, but it is a way to point to, to accent and uh, facilitate and draw your mind and heart to the story and love and grace of God. So, so in Greek, um, icon, E-I-K-O-N is a Greek word that means image. And then graphe, G-R-A-P-H-E is writing. So, so is image writing. So iconography is an, an image that tells a story. And so in a, in a sense, it is a graphic novel. It is a, a, a painting or a picture that is an image that is used to tell a story of what's going on. So the early church would do these icons of events in Christ's life, knowing, as we talked about in terms of literacy, only the the 1% or the top um you know, there were only a few people who were literate or who could write, read and write. So they would use these images to articulate and share the story of Jesus himself. So they, they built upon this kind of biblical literacy on these stories of Jesus. They would do these icons or iconography to adorn the worship space so that people were entering into the life of Jesus literally and, and pointing to what, what this story is. And so, yeah, um, real, real quick for yeah. those listening who, um, uh, aren't in comic book world at all, because I know there are some of you who have zero context. Mm-hmm. Graphic novel, when he said that, he basically just meant comic books. So, <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. We don't mean as yeah. graphic as a sense of like scandalous <laughs> or like rated yeah. R. Like, like yeah. there's, there's graphic, but like graphic, like images, um, uh, yeah. words, words with pictures that tell the story and action along the way, which, you know, recommendation, go, go get yourself the action Bible, which is a graphic yes. novel. The Bible <laughs> yes. itself. You gotta ah, listen, I gotta see the word for word comic Bible comics. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pretty good. I like. I think I like the art for those better. Yeah, but that's just me. Yeah. Way yeah. better. Way better. Yeah. What I, What I leave out, Kino? What What is what's in there? No, there? no. You, you, you. I think you touched it on. You hit every, 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 every good point. I think. I think. I think there's a confusion in Protestantism in of as, as a whole because we were like, you know, what we were rejecting all of it. Just like you know, we, mm-hmm. we if, if that's Catholic is bad. No, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's not bad. We were all Catholic at one point in time. We was all one church, okay. So we all <laughs> worship the same way, and That's we still whole goal here. Yeah, and we and funny enough, we still do. Like there are different styles, but the whole point of our worship service is to retell God, the story of Christ. And to have communion, um, to, to either take the Eucharist or communion, like it, that's 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 what we all do. We all do, and we baptize. Okay, we all do those two things. Okay, the other ones we we disagree on if they're not sacraments or not. We don't care about that. We talking about the two things we do do that we agree upon. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, funny enough, we miss that that the icons, like we'll say, are just there to help us to remember about God, but the idols. They were made by us because we thought we were God. Because because uh, this 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 the Bible says and 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 forgive me, but the Bible says in Psalms one hundred six verse twenty, they traded the the 
They traded their glorious God for statues of grass eating bulls. That's, that's, <laughs> that's an idol. That's yeah. an idol. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you don't you don't need to do that. What God was saying was stop putting your faith in the stuff that you think that you did and put your faith in the one who created it all. Like literally, right. don't 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 think that your because your idol can only eat grass. That's all. <laughs> you're you you're worshiping grass eating idol or deity. How how messed up is that? And yeah, you, <laughs> but it's just, just saying like so 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 yeah. I, but icons icons funny enough in the truest sense help us to remember and to give us give us our attention to be drawn to God through the image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and and to pull that that um, understanding a little bit further the image like yeah I have pictures of my family around the house and I have mm-hmm. a picture of my dog that just passed away this mm-hmm. past summer so that that picture reminds me of the story and how important these people are in my lives but I would never hopefully not confuse the picture for the actual person like if Hannah walked in the room mm-hmm. and be like no get like away that. Hannah I'm I really love this picture more than you they'd be like what are you doing what's the matter with you <laughs> uh, but you know, it reminds me and points to stages in their life and how much their family is important to me so these icons, you know, point to the reality of how important God is to us. And I can understand why the Protestantism, there needed to be a change in the shift to Reformation because mm-hmm. some of these icons or relics became a means by which to manipulate the people and right. oppress them mm-hmm. as a, you know, to cut, uh, commodify God's love and grace. Um, and mm-hmm. and that was, and so that's what needed to be reform, a kind of this money-making mm-hmm. uh, manipulation mm-hmm. that these things were doing to manipulate people or, or to force them and they're like, no, let's get back to the basic. That's why Luther and others were like, let's get back to, we're not against icons or images, but let's see what they do or the, the cult around it or, or, or the intention behind it. Let's get back to, to what they're really meaning uh, and, and pointing to. And that is the love of God um, itself and, and drawing us closer to God, not getting in the way of God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I really so, like that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Will, you've mentioned a few times before that one of your favorite paintings is the image of Christ in the harrowing to hell reaching out to Adam and Eve. Uh, what could you tell us about this piece and why do you enjoy it so much? Yeah, I think um, Easter's my favorite holiday. I love Christmas. I, I love all the holidays. They all have their place. I, I even like Thanksgiving, I guess, Joshua. The best but holiday. I, but but I, but Easter is why we're here and why we're even having a podcast talking about this anyway. It's because Christ and was thankful for that. And I am too. It's a part of it. It's definitely mm. not the main part. It's not <laughs> the one piece. It is the uh, it is part of it. Um, so, so this icon I've used before in confirmation camp and camp to help give an image to our kids about what's really happening at Easter. And so there's this image, it's the icon of the, um, I might be saying this wrong, anastasis, which in Greek means rising up. And so it's the, the Christ descent into Hades or the harrowing of hell. And so on, on that Holy Saturday after Good Friday, Christ literally goes to hell or Hades, or to the land of the dead and grabs um, humanity by the hands and pulls them out of the grave. So in this image, and it's done in different ways, it goes back to like the seventh century. And then there's been lots of versions since then uh, of what this looks like, but it's basically Christ being raised, raised up. And he's grabbing on one hand, he has a man, on the other hand, he has a woman to represent Adam and Eve, representing all of humanity, pulling out of the grave, all of humanity to new life. And so that is an image that I wanted to like burn into my flock's um, brains and hearts to say like, this is what Easter means. 
Christ is not abandoning you. Love is God's love is stronger than death and is pulling you out of the grave to new life. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, it's around Easter time, but I think it's, you know, a year round thing to be thankful for. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, um, my, the next question really is just an excuse for me to talk about my favorite church icon. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so the Celtic church has the, the Celtic Trinity knot. Yeah. I love this image because for me, this explains why I think iconography can be so powerful. I have always had the hardest time conceptualizing the idea of the Trinity. Like how can there be three in one and people do that whole water thing. And I'm like, that's a terrible analogy. Water can't be ice, steam and water and liquid at the same time. It's either one of the three. Right. Wrong. That's called a superposition. That's so it just always confused me. But you see this image and I'm like, okay, yeah, there's three things here. And then you look at it, you're like, oh, wait, no, that's one continuous motion. But you see three, but it is also one thing. And then you have that circle going through to represent the complete unity of the Trinity. And and for some reason, Mm -hmm. thinking of the Trinity through that image has made a lot more sense to me, even though that's obviously not what God looks like or anything. It just helped me come to terms with the Trinity a little bit better than I think really any explanation ever has. (laughs) So I was just going to ask you guys, did you have any icons that kind of depict the Trinity that you have found helpful or that Mm. that you just appreciate that you find moving or anything like that? Um, Let's let Kino go first since the last question was basically just two will. No, it's fine. Um, (laughs) So, so I I can't remember what it's called because I I was like, God, I can't remember, but I think it's, I think it's called the shield of Trinity where you have the father, the son, and then the Holy Spirit and God in the middle. And then there's lines that says the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. And then going into the center, you have the Father yeah. is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Hmm. Which just says that, yes, the Father is not the Son, but the Father's God. So is the Son's mm. God. So that 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 to me helped me understand the Trinity. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it. That's it right there. That's it. I right was now. Googling it. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. It's like it's the shield of the Trinity. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah. 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 So, cool. so 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 yeah, that 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 helped me. That helped me. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that. I think my I, I remember being seminary and again, like the the water image, you know, they they really guarded us against like modalism, you know, different modes of way of God of operating as a is it falls short from the mystery of the Trinity. And it's such a mystery that it's hard to wrap your head around it. And again, like me, like Will Will Rose is a son. I am also a father. I'm also a husband and a pastor. Those are functions I am, but I'm still me and they when do I take one hat off on the other? I'm still the same person. So I, within myself, I have characteristics. So it's, it's hard. Like I, I think one of the oldest, um, or there's a Russian icon by Andrei Rublev called the hospitality of Abraham. Hmm. It's a 15th century, um, icon of three angels sitting around a table and it it kind of points to kind of the again abraham welcoming three angels to to his household and his table but then christians use that to to point to the hospitality of the father son and the holy spirit setting a meal for for us and so that's mm-hmm. one these these three angelic beings sitting around a table with a cup in the middle um is another icon of the trinity that i would love to have in our church at some point we have mm-hmm. some vacant wall space i would love for someone to come in and draw or write one of those or get a 
huge um, icon of, of the Holy Trinity and put it up on a wall since we are Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. Um, yeah. And so we have another painting. One of the wall paintings in our church is like a tree. Um, and in, in the midst of that tree, there's three interlocking circles uh, yeah, to represent like um, the Trinity, but also growth and green and um, a season of, of, of Pentecost and this kind of growth in, in God. Um, so, so yeah, there's a lot of different images that help kind of wrap our head around the, the nature of God. And I think it's good. They all, yeah. they all, they all aren't perfect, but then again, it's just us trying to articulate again, uh-huh. how we understand and see God. Yeah. yeah. Two more real quick. Uh, obviously the Trinity symbol in kingdom hearts is pretty much perfect. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, that's an inside joke for systematic ecology followers, <laughs> but the, um, I was also going to just kind of plug uh, when this comes out, the most recent episode of Dummy for Theology, the other podcast I do, is all about the Trinity. So check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to shout out the Treyarch logo really quickly. Um, shout out Black Ops <laughs> 1. It's it's just like a Celtic knot without the circle. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Circle's oh. important, though. It is. Yeah. Well, you know, it's there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So one of the most interesting changes made in church imagery was one made during the Protestant Reformation. Big surprise. Uh, John Calvin objected to the use of the crucifix with Jesus on the cross because Jesus is no longer dead. Uh, Calvin introduced the plain cross instead, and that's, I feel like, more familiar with most people now in this country. Uh, meanwhile, Martin Luther did not share in this objection, which is why many Lutheran churches in Europe still use the crucifix. So we were curious about both of your thoughts on the legitimacy of the crucifix versus the plain cross. Um, yeah, and I think Lutheran churches in America do use the plain cross, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I know in Europe they use the crucifix. It's, yeah, yeah. So what's what's up with that, Will? Yeah, I, I think you know leaned itself into it. You know, like like the Protestant mm-hmm. Church and part of its Reformation didn't want to look Catholic and and fought against that and swung that pendulum way too far on the other side and say we're just going to keep it on on that side. So and, and again, it was this kind of correction or overcorrection or or ref, Reformation to not look like what's done in the past, but also not get into the trappings of imagery, idolatry, um, manipulation. And, and when you see like a, a person or a painting of someone literally being crucified, it, it, it gets you to your soul. So it is jarring. It's disturbing as it should be. Mm-hmm. So, so there's this, if you wanted to avoid that trauma and just say, well, we're a church of Easter and the resurrection and Christ is no longer dead and we're new creatures and a new creation. I, I get that. But I, but I do think come, come Lent, come good Friday, mm-hmm. other aspects of our, our devotion and, um, meditation, reflection on the meaning of faith, then, then you can't have Easter without Good Friday. So you can't have a plain cross without Christ crucified on it. And to see that grotesque, horrific um, uh-huh. image is important to our faith to understand what Christ went through. So I think it's a both and. For me, it's a both and. Lutheran churches, yeah. I mean, Luther, you know, he wasn't against the crucifix, but he definitely was like, hey, you know, he he had his own religious trauma and and avoided crucifixes and things too. I mean, he he did his thing. So so it's like Lutherans aren't totally like, yeah, we're cool. Um, but like, I, I, it might be a European American thing. But but yeah, I think for us, it's a both and. Most Lutheran churches in the United States have plain crosses. I go to my Catholic right. neighbors down the road, and and you go in their sanctuary, and Jesus is fully on it. So, um, I, I think it I think it needs to be a both and. But I I think part of that is the history of the Reformation and what we're trying to get away from yeah. and then grow into. So 
I think I think um, I agree with you, Will. Gosh, I just I nothing really can say. Um, but I will add that it's interesting that even though you know we've swung away from the icons, especially the crucifix, um, but you will see a lot of folks um, outside of the church wearing crucifixes. Mm. Yeah, I've seen mm. as jury, as jury, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or they've they've gotten um, tattoos of uh, Christ with the halo, or Christ mm-hmm. with the uh, the crown of thorns. You know, mm-hmm. um, so so I agree with Will. It should be a both, um, but I think that you know we we miss that it's it really does uh, make a difference. But this is what I was going to say is that what you end up seeing though a lot of Protestant churches, independent churches, is that they're going back to some type of um, icons or pomp and circumstances in how they are dressing for service. Like literally, they all they got the whole, the whole. They, they you think that these, you think they're they're Catholic bishops, the stuff they be wearing. You know, yeah. like they got the whole mirror and all the other stuff. Like yo, yeah, it's, I thought we was Protestants. I don't think we, you know, but this this is what you got: apostles and bishops and all these other crazies. Like this is just silliness. But 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 that thing that that we got away from, they're actually still doing. Like literally, that's that's funny enough that it. So I I I agree with Will. It's it's a both, and and both of them are our, our heritage, and and it's and it's good to have the reminder. Yes, it's traumatic to see to think of it that way, but we need to be reminded because we easily forget. We easily forget. So I think that you know, yeah, you, like Will said, you go to the Catholic church and you it's right there in your face, but it, you know you, but but you are reminded when the change of the season because when we in mm-hmm. Lent. We're supposed to be thinking about it anyway. So, mm-hmm. but icons can't help. Icons can't help. I'm I'm curious to hear TJ's perspective on this one too, actually. But um, I'm giving time to think about it because my thought process, I, I like seeing the empty cross on the steeple. And I like when we present to people an empty cross because we want to present hope to the world. You know, our Christ is one who has risen. But I think in the church, within the walls, and we're like reflecting on ourselves, I like seeing the crucifix. I like thinking of what sin, what do we need to repent of? Like, I I want us to feel that burden, but maybe what we should be showing the world is that hope also. So I like the both and answers that you gave. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Lutherans, you know, Luther had a theology of the cross that he leaned into pretty hard, literally called it theology of the cross. And it is that, you know, this surprising, unexpected way that God expresses love is through suffering through humiliation, uh, not not kind of top-down power um, control manipulation, but rather from the bottom up or from the margins, that this theology from the cross is really what, what Lutherans mm-hmm. lean into that is counterintuitive and countercultural in terms of how the world operates. And so Luther mm-hmm. Luther's about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Johnny Cash proven that uh, that symbol of the crown of thorns is Probably one of the most powerful. I mean, uh, his cover of Hurt is definitely the best cover I think I've heard of anything. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So uh, I think it's, it's I definitely see the validity of wanting to have the plane cross over the crucifix in some cases. Uh, it's, you know, a fairly graphic image for young children to see. Uh, yeah. People who might be squeamish like that. True. It's, it's, he's getting crucified. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's up there. It's graphic. It's. You know, uh, I think the empty cross is just as significant as the cross with Jesus on it because he's no longer on it. He is not dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it's it's nice to have both 
because they are different. Mm -hmm. They they really symbolize different things at the end of the day, yeah. to me at least. Uh, and I yeah. think the, the Protestant church has done such a good job of like hiding the crucifix away from pe from people. <laughs> like yeah. I don't think I saw a crucifix in real life until I was in like high school. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it depends on where you live, um, because in, funny enough, if you live in Texas or somewhere in the mm -hmm. Southwest or where Catholicism is, even in Boston, Catholicism is really prominent up north, you, you will see crucifixes in Walmart. You mm -hmm. know, they sell them in Walmart. That is weird. Yeah. They sell rosaries in Walmart, you know? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so I, I get it, but but you're absolutely right, though. We, 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 we do protect... Our we 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 do isolate ourselves from understanding how big bigger the world is. Like literally, yeah. we just be like, yeah. "This is it." No, yeah. let's just I all meet in the middle, and we'll have a plain cross, but leave the blood stains. No, yeah. that's yeah. fair. Wow, I do like that actually. I do <laughs> well, like the, that the nails with the blood stains. How yeah. About yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the cross with just the nails in it. But I uh, it probably would look cool. I feel like <laughs> the first time I ever saw a crucifix was on like Legion the movie or something. Like that was just nowhere in my life. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's just me. I, you know, I grew up in South Carolina. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Kino, are there any other images or icons used in your particular tradition that you would like to bring up? Yes. Um, so, um, even though we don't have any icons that we do use um the um the Kemet in ancient Egypt uh image of the Ankh. We do use that oh. in our, we do wear we do wear oh, the Ankh. What's that look like? Um so I I, I was I, you know what I thought you was gonna ask, but that's kind of what it looks like. But it's just a little oh, oval. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That does look cool. I knew what yeah. that was. I like I've seen that. I just yeah. forget the name for some reason. Yeah. No, it's called an Ankh. It's an Ankh and it's just a symbol of life. And so we will wear that as well. And I, I, I've a lot of a lot of black preachers will. It's not even Methodist. I've seen a lot of more black preachers start wearing it um, as well. Um, but it comes from the um, Egyptian Coptic Church, so it ain't. It's it's a Christian symbol. It used to yeah. be uh, Egyptian, but the uh, the Egyptian Coptic Church said, "No, we. This is us. This is ours. This is about life." So mm. yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Will, what about you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we're pretty sacramental based. So any image around like baptism and water and like a shell, water pouring out, and then like a cup and bread together, you know, symbolizing like, the Eucharist and communion, mm -hmm. those, I think those images um, are, are around a lot. Like, yeah. um, you know, there's definitely times of the year when we change the the pyramids or, or the altar decorations and what um, drapes the pulpit um, for the season of the church year, the color. So when we get into Advent, it come, come November or December, it'll be, it'll be blue. Um, that uh, kind of a dark Duke blue for some reason. I don't yeah, know Yeah, the why. blue, then, we do purple. We do purple. But, but then, um, yeah, and then, then Lent, for us, Lent, Lent is purple. And then, can, so that's the stuff that shifts so people will know visually, oh, we're in a different season, different tone, different pace to help them not only hear the hymns and the words, being preached, um, but also visually, you know what what season we're in to use all the senses that of of the be whole being. If you thought it was surprising, TJ didn't see crucifix for so long. I didn't know there was such thing as church seasons until two years into like attending a Christian college. <laughs> like we had learned about Bible so two years before anyone even brought up there's 
a such thing exists as a church yeah. season. Yeah. Teaching tool. And, uh, Teaching yeah. Tool. And then I found out they that they do the robes around the season. I was like, man, I thought they just picked which one they thought looked coolest that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the irony too, is that we wear robes to cover our, yeah. our clothes. So we're yeah. not distracting from what's going on in worship is sometimes our robes and stole impairments will, you know, try to outdo uh, the next season to, you know, like, wait a minute, we're kind of doing the thing that we weren't supposed to do by trying to uh, outdo one another in terms of ornate uh, clothing. But yeah. yeah you know. Fun fact. That's why our verse at the beginning is so long. I just wanted to go long enough to talk about the garments so I could bring up yeah. robes at some point. I have a backfired. I, I have an I have an Anglican cassock. That's that's a black Anglican cassock. That's it. That's cool. It, it's heavy though. God, that thing is heavy. It's only, it's only held by five buttons, which is amazing to me. What? Yeah, it's five buttons. Oh. In the summertime, it's got to be one good material, so that thing's heavy. It's it's. Mm-hmm. I think the word is garbadine. I think that's what it is. I think that's the material. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. Like you, if I if I see why people be slain in the spirit, you throw that down. You gonna you gonna really be falling out. You get slapped right in the face. You are gonna fall. I'm just keep your water bottle. Keep your water. Stay hydrated, Keno. Stay hydrated. <laughs> that's funny. So do do y'all have a favorite church icon that is from a tradition that isn't your own? Yeah, I'll just kind of circle back around to the the um the heroine of hell and, and Christ grabbing Adam and Eve and pulling humanity out of out of the grave is is something I'm always drawn to. No. No, I don't, I don't have anything. Not really. Yep. Not really attracted to icons for real. Yeah. I mean, I've always really liked the Ankh personally. Because yeah. that's not from my tradition. Yo, we're Pentecostal. Right. <laughs> we don't even do the crucifix. <laughs> Can you all see? Is the Celtic does, Trinity not? Does the Trinity not count? Because I've always seen the Trinity not too. It's like, I mean, it's not Pentecostal. It's, I, not, I think it's, it's like not, Celtic it's, Catholic, right? It, yeah, it's I like think Irish it is. Catholic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think technically it was yeah, Pictish cool. before it was Celtic. Yeah, that makes fine. it pagan. <laughs> it's fine. It's about the Trinity now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Check out uh, systematic ecology on Captivate. Uh, rate us be as scathing as possible it really helps us out um all four of us here love to hear your just most yeah. deteriorating virulent uh hate comments that you can muster yeah. which we're bringing uh, up because all four of us are on that show as well yeah yeah, yeah you can listen to all four of us on systematic geekology sometimes on the same episode so if Usually you like not. this you know check us out yeah Usually not, but sometimes, you know. I think me, you, and Will are supposed to talk about uh, the Dawn of Jedi sometime soon. Anyway, outside of paintings and statues, what is one kind of art you think people could get into that might help us draw closer to God and each other? Kino. Um, I, you know, funny enough, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this to the audience because I think most of our audience is probably from um, a Protestant background. Um, more deep, deep south, and anyway, um, go to a Catholic or Greek or even an Anglican or Episcopalian church, and go inside and sit down and just take in all that you see, and just relish in that type of environment. Because we get used to being in our church, but sometimes going into a different church setting can also awaken something that's been dead or been asleep inside of us that that truly it could be so i I would say 
go and literally look at the crucifix inside of that sanctuary just to give you an idea of thinking back of what he did even though you, you might know but just to see it, it it brings it back more alive and make it more vivid for you so yeah go to the duke chapel oh yeah do or, it. or if you are catholic or, or orthodox go to a really plain steeple with wooden pew church like old baptist church that's a good place to sit too Go to the go to first go to the first Baptist church. Yeah. This whatever says yeah. first Baptist, just go there. Just go there. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's something spiritual about that simplicity, though. I really like. Oh, man, it's good too. Both are good. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah, will will. Yeah, I mean, I I'm just gonna build off that too. Like, I think I think you're right. Go find a cathedral, a downtown church. Most of the time, they're they're open. They leave them open for mm-hmm. people to come in to have sanctuary and um, to go and sit. And as we talked about, iconography is is an image that tells a story. And so look around the room. What story is being told through the images uh, around you? Um, and and read it, reflect on it. Let that draw the senses to to your own prayers and the longings of your heart and and let that move you i i think that's uh, um, a great idea yeah i uh, i actually would like to say i think and this i just didn't think about it until kino mentioned it earlier but i think botany gardening is art mm-hmm. and i think gardening yeah. is something that can bring people together especially if you're you know starting at the same time or planting in the same garden uh, if you're lucky That's enough true. to be somewhere that has a community garden, definitely get involved. And if you're lucky enough to be somewhere that doesn't have a community garden but does have town hall meetings, go to those town hall meetings and start proposing that you, you start a community garden. <laughs> community garden. Yes. That's yeah. what I did. And now Inman has a community garden. Wonderful. So, yeah. That's you know, I'm going to add one too then. Uh, look for recycled art places. Just the sculptures are made of like recycled like bottles or cans and like all that other kind of stuff. Like nice. something about that does always speak to me because it's like life coming out, of, you know, not from death, but from trash, which mm. sometimes, you know, I feel like trash. So I don't know. I connect with that. <laughs> so what would the repercussions in the world around us be if everyone stopped to take the time to go to a, a, a beautiful Orthodox or Catholic or Presbyterian or Anglican or uh Episcopalian church or start guardian or uh, go to an upcycle art center. I think we'd all get closer. Yeah. I, I think um, it helped Joshua <laughs> see that himself. Uh, he's an upcycle. You know, he's not trash. He's upcycled. I, <laughs> quick aside, Disney moment. There's a toy story. Was it toy story four that uh, they, they have a song that is I it, I think it sounds like a gospel song, but it's it's the I won't let you I won't let you throw yourself away. It's because the spork of the show I thinks he's trash. So he keeps trying to throw himself away. I won't let you. That song I also won't speaks let to me. Sorry, I'm done now. Oh sweet Jesus! Come on, TJ, hit it. So uh, before we wrap up. Uh, we, we like to ask everyone to share a moment where they saw God recently, whether that be a blessing, challenge, mode of worship, curse. I always make Joshua go first to give us uh, and our poor, inexperienced, uh, you know, selves to <laughs> as much time as we need to think. Uh, so, Josh, do you have a God moment for us this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to continue the trend of just us sponsoring Chipotle for some reason. Um, so those who listen regularly know I switched back over to Chipotle, starting a job there. We're opening a new store. Um, we're finally in the store. It's not opened yet. So this week, 
just working along the people that I'm going to be working with in management. And so, th- so this is like a, it's, it's a two part God moment. Cause it's both a blessing and a challenge, TJ. I'm doing both. <laughs> they have um, just, just to be blessed with this group of people I'm working with who have such a great sense of humor, all passionate about the project. And I just have this community with them. And I, and I just, I love that group, and that's just such a blessing. And then I was challenged because we've also been working with the guy who built the building. Shout out to Billy if you're listening. He's one of the <laughs> coolest guys ever. And the reason I say he was a challenge for me is because, man, he asked for a Chipotle hat and a Chipotle shirt like the workers have because he's just so proud of this building he worked on. And he's just so like excited for what he built and to see what it becomes. And I'm like, man, I... I need to be as proud of my work as that guy is, you know, like I've not seen that in somebody in so long. And I'm like, that is such a challenge. So I need to be more like Billy and, you know, I have a great group of people to do it with. So I'm blessed. Yeah. I did that before I started working at Chipotle. I was like, Hey Josh, can I have one of your spare hats? And sure, <laughs> That's how you started working at Chipotle. What do you yeah. That's a different story. <laughs> I was now definitely hire in Billy. a store in uniform before I ever worked at a Chipotle. Oh, uh, so <laughs> I'll go with my God moment next. Uh, the If you live in like Western North Carolina, you probably know the uh, Mountain State Fair is still going on. Might have just ended. Uh, but it's like a super long fair. I think it lasts for like two weeks because it's like a real fair. Like you go and agriculture competitions and dirt competitions and that kind of thing real country fair but uh, i was you know lucky enough to get the time to go to the mountain state fair with my family and spend the day there uh, which is always so nice that everyone can take a break from their busy schedule to go just enjoy themselves for a day together as a family for the first time in so long and uh, it's all god you know that wouldn't be possible without god no it would exist without god mm-hmm. so all right. Who's going first? What about you, Kino? Do you have a God moment for us? Yes, I do. Um, so my God moment is I was blessed to uh, participate in an installation service of one of my good friends. Uh, he was installed as the new pastor of St. Philip's Missionary Baptist Church in Huntersville, North Carolina. And they had the oh, nice. service at First uh, First Baptist of Huntersville. Um and that was a wonderful experience. They they uh, they opened the church up to us. It was really lovely, really nice. Um, so it was that was that was always impactful to be a part of those type of uh, services, the ordination or installation services. I don't I don't know if will you all uh, uh, be a part of those type of things, but it's it's always an honor and a blessing just to just to be a part of that that sharing. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We do ordination services. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do ordination, but then um, installation as well. In fact, uh, uh, someone who graduated from our campus ministry who became a Lutheran pastor was just called to a church in Raleigh right down the road from us. And so was able to go to his installation. So that was awesome. That was good. Yeah. That's not James, is it? No, no. James is um, James is Salisbury. Yeah, he, he, was from your, he was from your group too, though, right? Yeah, went, yeah. went to Divinity School and then member of our church and then eventually uh, came yeah, to the Blue Devils. Then, yeah, yeah. He he would say that. I would not. <laughs> would get along. Um, I'll share my God moment, and it's not the Duke Blue Devils, but I will say that like I uh, no no secret that um, I love the ocean and grew up surfing. And uh, this last string of hurricanes that have missed the coast and done exactly what surfers want it to do. Thankful that you know they split the uprights uh, between the Outer Banks and Bermuda and just go right through, um, and uh, brought a lot of waves. So I've been able to get some surfing in, and there's been like a. I mean, it's very crowded. Waves get good 
surfers are there, hundreds of people in the water and sometimes it can get territorial, oh. but I feel like the places where I surfed and the people that were out there, <clears throat> maybe I'm just older and don't care as much, but like, I feel like there was wave sharing and there was way of encouraging <laughs> one another and be like, Hey man, great wave. Yeah, you go, I'll go on the next one. So there's that kind of, which you don't always get, um, because East coast waves are limited, but <laughs> it was, it was not, it was nice to finally catch some good waves after a long flat summer, but then also, um, a good kind of unity out in the water among among surfers that aren't always nice, but yeah. we were nice this go-around. Praise God. Yeah. Uh, if you liked what we did here, please consider sharing with a friend, uh, share with an enemy, your cousins, beloved cousins, uh, share with your enemies, friends. Uh, if you yeah. don't have any of those, share it with me. I'll listen to it and tell you what I think. <laughs> uh, and no, you can you get won't. merch. <laughs> yeah, I will if they want. Okay, sure. You don't listen to this, though. No one ever asks me to listen. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair, I guess. I've never shared it with DJ or I think either any of my cousins. (laughs) I'm terrible. Hopefully our listeners better than me. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So you can actually support us uh, through merch. You can buy merch. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, It's it's pretty cool stuff. It actually looks pretty good. I I do dare say so myself. Uh, All designed in-house in our personal art studio josh's laptop (laughs) yeah he is not joking speaking of things produced on my laptop most of the amp network really is um but you should go over to the nsl ministries podcast network you can hear the homily with will rose you can hear uh dummy for theology with me you can go hear christian ashley let nothing move you brandon knight's my seminary life um the clydes do their own like uh couples uh, not, not really like a diary, more like a spiritual journey thing that they invite you guys to join in with them. Um, all good stuff. TJ's going to be talking about hockey soon. I think we're about to get a football show on there. We have systematic ecology with all of us there talking about geek stuff. It's a great time. So check out the network. All those shows. You'll have fun. I promise. Yeah. And um, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, come back next week when we'll be continuing our ecumenical aesthetic series with Brother J.R. Martin, Dr. Peter Link, and Dr. Peter Beck. Uh, they'll be on with us to discuss how imagery is used in the Bible and the symbolism in some of our church flags. Uh, after that, Pastor Shana Watson of the Anglican tradition will join us to talk about some uniquely Anglican imagery. And then Father Jonathan Resmini will be joining us to discuss how art is used in the Eastern Orthodox Christian tradition. And finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. Yeah. As a host. He is unaware. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so someone let him know um, that he has a podcast in waiting to take over. And and in season twelve of the homily, I'm going to do the entire book of Job and death metal music, scream out music. So uh, yeah, for that in season twelve. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Featuring vocals from Francis Chan. All right, see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>